fights or just fights amongst Christians is this. Um, we just are okay with them, I think. We don't, we don't really, you know, I mean, think about it. Um, James is dealing with this 2,000 years ago, and we still deal with it today. So obviously Christians really don't take this very seriously. We read what James says and goes, oh, that's good. But what do we do? We continue to fight. We fight in congregations. We fight amongst individuals. How about Christian marriages? We fight in our marriages. So James is addressing this issue about fighting and quarreling among Christians. And he is looking at this and he is saying, it's got to come to an end. Anybody in favor for ending the fight? And I don't know about you, but I, as I told Paula, the, as I've been reading as, you know, the, just the past couple weeks this week, how it's almost as, as if James had just written this a week ago. Because it's so, so relevant for our time today. How much bickering and quarreling, arguing and fighting there is amongst Christians today. And so today I've entitled the message, Stopping the Fight. And uh, I want to look at what we must do in order to stop the fight. Okay. And here's the first thing. Um, We stop the fight by acknowledging that fights come from my selfish desires. We stop the fighting by acknowledging that fights come from sinful, selfish desires. And so James begins there in chapter 4, and he says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Question mark. And he just, I, I have to ask, I just wonder if James, as he was writing that, did he just... Like, did he pause? He's like, man, I wish I could just speak into, be speaking to the people right now. Because I wonder if he would say that, hey, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And he wants an answer. And I wonder if Fred would be like, oh, 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 I know, I know, I know where they come from, James. They come from people who don't mind their own business. They come from people who just tick me off. They come from people who just do stupid things. That's what causes fights. And James would be like, nope. Thanks for participating, Fred, but you're wrong. Let, let me show you and tell you, Fred, where um, fights and quarrels come from. And so James tells us, he says, what causes quarrels and causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions... Some of you may have a version that says pleasures are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. James tells us exactly where it comes from. He's like, if you want to know where fights and quarrels and arguments and bickering come from, quit pointing your finger at everybody else. Quit blaming the person next to you and blame one person. Who is it? Me. It comes from within us. 
It, it comes from the selfish desires, the selfish, um, my pleasures, my passions, my desire. This is what I want. And when I don't get what I want, think of a child. Anybody have real small? Christy, do, you, do your small kids, cord, does he ever like throw a fit when he doesn't get something? Never. <laughs> Children don't do that. No. You know, a man is gone. <laughs> a child, when they want something and they don't get it, they don't go, oh, that's okay, mom and dad. I'm all, I'm all right with that. No, they will stomp and kick and throw things and slap things and cry and yell. Why? Because they are selfish. They're not getting what they want. And guess what? Fast forward 35 years and you have an adult in their 40s not getting what they want. And what do they do? They bicker and gripe and cry and they start fights and quarrels. And, here, and it's not just unbelievers that do it. It is Christians, and James is zeroing in on this truth. He's like, it all comes from within. Because if you look at verse 2, he says, you desire, but you do not have, so you murder. Now, I don't think he was talking about literal murder, but how many of you know, if you've watched enough Dateline, you darn well know there are people who covet enough and jealous enough, they will kill somebody, all right? It can spur to that. But James probably isn't talking about literal murder here. He's probably actually paralleling the fact that your anger toward people acts like murder. That, that how many of you know Jesus um, made this parallel? All right, in, in Matthew chapter 5, he goes, hey, I, I just want you to know something. He goes, you remember, it's it, it said that if you commit murder, you, you're, you're, you're breaking the law. He goes, but I tell you, if you're angry at your brother, you're, on, you're, you're facing judgment. Jesus is saying that if you can be that angry at someone, it's like you're murdering them. How many of you know you can destroy somebody with your words? Okay, you can rip them apart and tear them down to nothing. By our words, not just words, but angry words, hateful words. And they are like a dagger. And so James says, look, you desire, you don't get it. You, 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 so, so you get angry at people. You just, it's like murder. And he goes, and you covet. And you, you cannot obtain. So what do you do? You fight and you quarrel. James is telling us. When it comes to church fights, fights in our marriage, it's coming from selfishness. I mean, don't, don't throw your spouse under the bus right now. But when was the last time you were in an argument with your spouse and you were blaming them? Did you ever stop to turn to like, you know what, maybe it's me. But we don't want to do that, do we? In a church fight, nobody is sitting there going, oh, no, I'm the problem. I, I, it's me. I'm just so really, I, no. You know, for me as the pastor, I think more in the vein of church fights. But we can't throw out, as Christians, we get, we get in fights in our marriages over stupid stuff because we're selfish. 
But I sit and as a pastor and I think of over 20 years, the number of fights that I've dealt with, the number of people who have left this church because they didn't get something. I mean, I sit and think of, you know, people who want to be a leader in the church. They want to be an elder. They want to be a leader in a ministry. And this is, this is what I've, I mean, I've always wanted this, but they never get chosen. And how many people get so mad at that that they start a fight and they'll end up leaving the church because they don't get to be a leader or someone doesn't get to sing a solo. I've had that in this church. Somebody didn't get, didn't get to play their tambourine and they left the church mad. You know, how many, how many people get mad because, well, I've been hospitable and nice to people, but nobody has returned it to me. You see, my selfish desires, when I am not getting what I want, man, it turns into a, it turns into a whirlwind. And we, we quarrel, and we argue, and we fight. And James is like, we need to stop the fight. As I put this message together and I prayed over it, and I just, I think, I think even just coming into this message this morning, I just feel a, a heaviness on me. Because, because James, the, the book of James is what? Hard. Hard. So far, there has not been very many cushy moments in the book of James. It's not like James, come here, come here, buttercup, let's hug. <laughs> he is just unleashing. And unfortunately, I got to be the messenger of it. And, and, and it's hard. But I've thought about this and I'm like, I pray that we can be a church and become a church. And I know we're not going to be perfect. None of you are going to be perfect. You're not going to have a perfect marriage. We're all going to have issues. We're, we're still, but man, I, I sit and go, God, I pray that we could be a church, a congregation, marriages, where we as people are stepping back for a moment before we unleash with a fury of words, before we unleash in a fury of being angry and and, and, and argumentative, that, man, I just step back and I ask, am I being selfish? Am I not getting, you know what, I want this in my marriage and I'm not getting it. Well, then, well, you know what, I wanted that in the church and I didn't get it. You know, what if we all would just step back and take a deep breath? <sighs> am I being selfish right now? Is, is, am I desiring something that I'm not getting it? Am I coveting something and I'm not getting it? And it's just making me angry. What, ha what would happen in churches? What would happen in the, in the church across this country if Christians would just stop? Because how many things are being posted online where people are just selfish? This is what I want. And we're just yelling at the top of our, at our voices. This is what I want selfishness and if we as a church could just step back slow down the anger 
slow down the need to voice my and say, am I being selfish? Boy, I'm telling you, it would change the face of our marriages, change the face of the church. It would change the face of our country. And so James is saying we need to stop the fight. And the first way of doing that is acknowledging that fights come from my selfish desires. Here's the second thing about stopping the fight. We must stop the fight by aligning myself with God's will for my life. If we want to stop this fight, I've got to align myself with the will of God and not just my will. Look at verse 3 and 4. Or I mean just verse 3. He says, you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Actually, even in, at the end of verse 2, he actually starts that. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. So he's addressing, he, he's now showing the appropriate avenue of, hey, when you want something, here's how you go about it. Pray. Notice the first, at the end of verse 2 there, he says, you don't have because you don't even ask. Now, if you have the NIV, the New International Version, says you don't have because you don't ask God. And so what he's saying is he's first addressing the issue of people who just don't even pray. All right? I just want something. I'm not going to ask God for it. I'm just going to do what I want and try to get it. Now, don't raise your hand, but let me ask you. Do you ever try to force an agenda to get your way? Do you ever try to manipulate a situation to get what you want? You don't even take time to pray. That's what James is addressing here. He's like, man, listen, you don't have because you don't even ask God about it. You're just, you're just jumping off into the deep end and doing your own thing. You haven't stopped even five minutes. So you say, God, you know what? This is what I want. Um, what do you think about that? No. He's like, listen, if you don't even pray, why do you think you're not going? He's like, unfulfilled desires are going to happen if we don't pray to begin with. And so guess what you and I have got to do? Very beginning, the moment you start to say, this is what I want, this is what I want to see happen, this is my desire, before you even jump into anything, guess where the first place you need to go? To the Lord. Got to pray and begin to ask, God, is this what you want for my life? God, is this what I should be pursuing? God, is this what I should be getting after? God, this is what I want, but is it what you want for my life? So James first addressed, he's like, listen, if you're not praying, you're stuck already. But then he addresses the second issue. And that's where verse 3, he's like, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. So first he addressed non-praying people. Now he's addressing selfish praying people. Because how many of you know... Um, yeah, it's one thing not to even pray about it, but um, do you ever pray, uh, God, this is what I want, and you better make it happen? You see, um, James now is addressing, um, you can pray, but are you praying selfishly? Are you praying, well, this is what I want, and God, you need to make it happen. Sometimes we turn prayer into that, don't we? 
we turn prayer into how can I make God do what I want? How can I cause God to give me what I desire? So we turn prayer into nothing more than a God is my, and I'm telling you, there's a lot of teaching out there. God's our genie. We rub the lamp enough. God will give us what we want. All right. So we, we try to manipulate God. We try to, well, if I, I'm just going to exercise more faith and I'm just going to tell God this is what I want. And, and, and we just, prayer is not about getting God to work and do what we want. Prayer is about getting us to do what God wants. Prayer is about me not getting God to align with my desires, but it's ultimately to get me to align with his desires. Now, does that mean that you and I don't ask for things? Definitely not. Man, be bold in your prayers. Man, if there are some things that you want, pray them. God, I want to be a millionaire. Pray it. Ask for it. God, I really want that job. God, I really want to marry that person. God, this is what I really want. There's nothing wrong with asking. But James says, but if you're asking selfishly, why do you want to be a millionaire? Is it because, God, I want to be a blessing? Or is it because, I want that house down in Destin, Florida. God, right on the beach. I want that better looking car. I, there's nothing wrong with asking, but we have to ask with the right motives, ask with the right intentions. We have to ask, again, am I praying because I want my selfish desires met? This is what I want. This is what I want to see happen. This is what I want. This is what I, I want to pursue. And so, God, I, I need you to work out my life and situation. So I get that thing. Or... I pray, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I'm desiring. God, this is what I'm, I want to see happen. I do want this, but God, only according to your will. Hey, let me ask you. I asked Paula this, and as I was studying this, I had this thought, because I know I do this. Paula says, she will do this, and I bet some of you do this. Do you ever not pray and afraid to ask God for something because you want it so bad? There is something that you so, God, you're like, I'm afraid to pray this because if I ask, God, here's what I want, but your will be done. And if he says no, I want healing so bad. I'm not going to pray and ask God because it may not be his will. I want this job so bad, but I'm not going to pray because what if God, so I'm just going to do what I, do you ever get afraid to pray? You see, this is why it's so important for you and I to continue to grow and mature as a believer in Christ. Because as I continue to grow and mature, as I continue to grow in my faith in the word of God, as I continue to grow in my knowledge of who God is and what he's like, as I continue to grow in, in my trust for God, and as I continue to grow in, in the knowledge and understanding that, that God is completely sovereign 
as I grow in those things. What happens is, as I'm maturing and growing, I'm able to pray, God, here's what I want, but your will be done. Now think about that for a moment. God, here's the job I want. And God, I've gone to school for this. It's going to pay well. It's got great insurance. God, it, 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 everything I look at, it, it, it's, it, it's so perfect. And God, this is what I really want. But your will be done. And are you willing to pray that, God, your will be done? And God, if you want me to have this job, awesome. But God, if for some reason you see something that I can't and you shut the door, I'm okay with that. That's, how many of you know that takes maturity? Okay. When you are sick and you have health issues, even when the doctor gives you the, the diagnosis of like, there's no, there's no cure for this, and, and, and we give you a year. Can you, in faith, go, God, I want to believe, and I'm going to trust. I want to be healed, God. I ask that you would heal me and give me life, but your will be done. Those are hard prayers, aren't they? Let's just be honest. That's hard. Because we, as humans, we're, and I, I think especially as Americans, we are conditioned to get what we want, okay? I mean, the American dream is the pursuit of happiness and the pursuit of life and liberty. We, we tell immigrants, if you come over here, you just work hard enough, man, you can, you can have whatever you want. If you put your mind to it, you can dream it, you can have it. We are conditioned as an American to think that way. And so when it comes to God, because we're so conditioned by by. The, the, the ideas of America, the ideas of the culture, and the ideas of the world, we put those upon God. And we expect God to act like the government. We expect God to act like the, the, the model of America. But when God doesn't act that way, this is why we got to be mature. When I'm not growing in my faith, and I'm not mature enough, and God doesn't give me what I want because I've been so conditioned to get what I want, and God doesn't give it to me, if I'm not mature enough, I'm not growing, guess what happens? I get angry at God. I get mad at God. God, I don't understand. Why did you not give me? Why did you not heal my, my mom or my dad? Why did you not heal my daughter? God, why did, you, why did you not give me the job? Why did, you make, why, why, why did I lose my job? God, I don't... And, and the more we can get angry at God, guess where it comes out at? The people around me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm angry and arguing with God. Now, it's easy to ang be angry and argue with my spouse. Now, it's to be easier to become angry and argue and become, you know, and brood and, and quarrel with people in the church. Why? Because I didn't get it from God. Now I'm not getting something from my spouse. Now I'm not getting anything from the church. And the, guess what happens? The selfishness begins to grow. And the more it grows, 
the easier it is to fight with people. And so I've got to grow in my alignment with God. I've got to grow and mature and understand that I've got to align myself with God. That his will be done in my life. Not my will. And as you and I can sit there and get in line with God, you're going to realize, wow, I'm pretty selfish in my praying right now. I'm pretty selfish in what I want, and it's causing me to hurt people around me. So I need to align myself. In order to stop the fight, I have to align myself with God. Here's the third thing. The way we stop fighting is arranging my life for Christ and not for the culture. Arranging my life for Christ. Point two was aligning my life with the will of God. Now it's arranging my life for Christ. And look at what James says in verse four. He says, you adulterous people. Let's stop there. Again, that's just easy to hear. Could you imagine reading this letter and the pastor's like, hey, we got a letter from James. Awesome. And you've been reading this thing and you're like, holy cow, James, you're just unleashing. And then you get to this point. He's like, you adulterous people. How many of you be like, oh, that's it. I'm out of here. Forget that, James. You're like, I've just come to realize James doesn't mince words. He's not the pastor going, well, I don't want anybody walking out onto me today. He's just like, I don't care. God's given me a word, and I've got to give it to you. And here's the first one, you adulterous people. Um, Here's the thing. Earlier, James was talking about people who were like, you know what? I know I'm saved, but I don't have any proof of it. And he's like, listen, if you think you're saved and you have no proof, you're a fool. Well, that's nice. Thanks, James. And then in chapter 3, if you remember, he said, oh, by the way, if you're living according to earthly wisdom, it's like you're demonic. James, you're just pumping me up, man. James is only about one thing. Getting us to understand how important it is to live for God. And when he's talking about, when he calls these people adulterous, he's not talking about the fact that they're committing adultery on their spouses. He's talking about the fact that they're committing spiritual adultery on God. Because as Christians... Our first love is to be Christ. As Christians, the Bible says that, that the, 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 the church is the bride of Christ. So when you and I um, cheat on God, it's like we're committing adultery. And that's what James is saying here. And, and here's why he says this. Here's why he, he calls them a spiritual adulterers. Continue in verse 4. He says, Um, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Notice he says friendship with the world. Let's first define the world. Biblically, the world can be defined uh, one of three ways. The world can be referred to as the earth, the human race, Or the third thing, which is being talked about here, what James is referring to, which is the world system. It's the the system of cultural beliefs, principles, 
ideas, values, amusements, gratifications that aren't of God. So it's basically what the world propagates. It, it, it's the propaganda of the culture. It, it's the world, hey, this is, this is where you find life. It's the, it's the culture that says, this is where you find your enjoyment. This is what you need. Here's how you satisfy those inner desires. And it's the culture, and it's what it's saying, and it goes contrary to what God says. And James is saying, that's what you become a friend of. And friendship really means this. It means setting my heart on those beliefs. It's conforming to the pattern of the world. It's making the worldly things my pursuit. Okay? Because think about friendship for a moment. I mean, real friendship with someone. When you, have, when you are truly a friend with someone, um, you like to hang out with that person, don't you? You like to go out to eat with them. You like to you, you go, to, go over to their house and you have dinner. You, you just you, you, you talk and you just hang out and, and, and you, get, you just get cozy and comfy with them, right? James is saying this about these Christians. He's like, you have become cozy and comfy with the world. You are becoming more like the world than Christ. You're embracing the culture more than Christ. You are walking with and, 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 and pursuing the culture more than the church. And he's calling them spiritual adulterers. Do me a favor. I, I think... And flip, keep your thumb there, but flip over to, with me to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 gives, I believe, a picture, perfect picture of this idea of friendship with the world or not friendship with the world. I'm going to contrast this, but I want you to look at Psalm chapter 1. When you're there, everybody say, we're there. I still hear pages. I like hearing pages flip. I like the old. See, that's, that's where you know those people. People, if you got pages, you got a real Bible. Thank you. Those of you who just like Psalm chapter one, doop, 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 there. Good for you too. <laughs> Psalm chapter one, though. First, this is, this is showing what a person looks like who is pursuing God. He says, blessed is the man who walks not. In the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law or the, the word of, of God. Okay, so he, he's describing someone who is, who is living for the Lord, pursuing God. He's like, here's what you look like. You're, 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 not, you're not doing the worldly stuff. You are about God. But now let me, let me change the wording in this to, to where it looks like someone who is pursuing the culture instead of blessed is the man it would be um, ungodly is the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked stands in the way of sinners sits in the seat of scoffers his delight is in the beliefs of the culture you see when I because if you notice in Psalm 1, there's a progression. 
you, you, you walk, you, you stand, you sit. You see, walking is, is you're just going to walk by. But then your walking stops, and now you're standing. Now you're looking at the, like the, the Christmas decorations at the store window. But then eventually you sit. And sitting is the, the idea of friendship. Because now I'm close with you. You see, and James is trying to say, if you can sit in the world, sit in the culture, if you can become a friend with it, that's a problem. Now, you and I may go, but Jim, I mean, really, what's the big, none of us are perfect. What's the big deal? So what? We per- so what? I don't come to church that often. I don't serve, but I, who cares? You know what? I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm really fired up about my job. I'm fired up about my, my career. I'm fired up about a lot of stuff in the world. What's the big deal? Two reasons this is a big deal. Number one is this. As I said, the world means the system, the system of the culture. It's the beliefs, the teachings, the values. What that, it, it, guess who controls that? Satan. Okay. Satan controls that world. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4.4, Satan's defined as the god of this world, okay? Meaning he, he's the, 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 the leader of the system, all right? In John chapter 16, verse 11, Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of the world. Not the created world, not the earth, but the system, okay? He's the leader, the ruler, the controller, So basically, we have to understand that when I am chasing more of the world, when I am living for more of the culture, when I am getting more involved than that, guess who my leader is? Satan. Which leads to the second problem. Because James says it right in our text. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, who wishes... To be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. I mean, James is just like, I mean, how many of you think that's kind of hitting hard? He's not saying, well, you know what? If you become an enemy, if you become a friend with the world, God's just kind of going to be kind of like, oh, man. No. It causes enmity between me, between me and God, you and God. And what that means is this, is that I am creating a gap between my relationship with God. How many of you know God's not the one moving? I am. I'm moving away from him to the culture. I'm moving away from his word to the world. I'm moving away from what he wants for me to what Satan wants for me. And here's the thing. Satan controls the system, and everything about the system of the world, the culture and everything, battles God. And the whole fight is this. Satan wants you to live like the world to act like the world, to walk in the world. Because he knows if he can sever your relationship with God, he's got you. And so enmity with God is that, my, that, that there is a spiritual um, gap, a, a, a deadness starting to happen in me because I'm more about the culture. I'm more about the world. You see, this is why Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. You are in the world, but not of it. And he's, again, not talking about this thing, not the the big blue dot we live on. 
He's like, you are in the system. You're in it, but you're not to be of it. Meaning, don't cozy up to it. Don't become a friend to it. Because it's going to cause a problem between you and God. Now, hopefully you're thinking, Jim, that sounds good. I, I hear it, but what does that have to do with church fights? Simple. If I am pursuing more of the culture, okay, I'm pursuing more of what the world says instead of what God says. I'm more into the culture. Here's what happens. When I am more into the culture, I am looking less like Christ. When I am more into the culture, I am acting less like Christ. When I am more into the culture, I am less in the church. So here's what happens. I am more about the culture. I am more about getting after it. So guess what happens? Um, Well, church attendance, sporadic. I show up sometimes, I show up not. Uh, Serving, no, well, I don't have time because I've got so many things, uh, other irons in the fire. Uh, To witness, no, I I just just don't, that's not important to me. Everything about the church gets pushed aside. And everything about the culture becomes center stage. And when... I begin to look less like Christ and more like the culture. Hey, where did I say that um, 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 church heights come from? Where where does it start? Inside. My selfish desires. So when I am less like Christ and more like the culture, guess what's growing inside of me? Selfishness. As selfishness begins to grow... Guess what happens? This is what I want. And then when I don't get it, guess what happens? Church fight. Ding, ding. Let's go. Why? Because, because as, because, see, it's Christ that changes me. It, it's, it's the word of God that changes me. It's worship that changes. And when I'm not doing those things and the culture permeates me, Everything in me is not growing like Christ. It's growing like the world. And as I grow in the image of the world, selfishness is going to take root. And the more selfish I become, the easier it is to get mad at people because I'm not getting what I want. You see, this is why you and I, we've got to arrange my life around Christ and not the culture. I cannot be like these people and become a friend of the world. I have to remain a friend of God. And that means I'm pursuing what God wants and what Christ wants and not the culture. Arrange your life around Christ and not the culture. And then lastly, here's the fourth thing. How we stop fighting. We do this by adjusting my attitude to recognize my continual need for God. By adjusting my attitude to recognize my continual need for God. Let's start with verse 5. He says, Do you not suppose it is of no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell in us? That really is in link with what he just said about the worldliness. But the idea is this, is that um, now... The spirit that dwells in us, there's, there's, a, there's a debate whether it's the, the human spirit or the spirit of God. I believe it's the spirit of God because the spirit of God dwells within us. And it's like he's saying, do you not realize that like the spirit of God is jealous about for you? 
You see, this is why chasing after the world's bad. God, he, he yearns jealously for you. He, he doesn't want you um, pursuing the world. He wants you pursuing him. And he longs for you. He yearns for you. The Holy Spirit, I believe, even grieves within us when we are not pursuing God, but pursuing the culture. And so when we are in that element where I, I see, okay, I'm doing this. I'm, I'm pursuing the culture. I'm pursuing more of the world. Here's what's got to happen in you and I. Look at verse 6 now. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, when you and I um, realize, whoa, I am just way too into the culture. I'm more fired about my job, my career, my education. I'm fired up about my kids' sports. I'm fired up about everything the world can offer. But man, I'm just not really into the church. And you recognize that. Guess what's got to happen? Humility. There's got to come something in my life that humbles me. Because you notice it says that God gives more grace. Now, he, James has just gone from, hey, do you realize that you're, you're selfish? Uh, do you realize that you're adulterous? He's just like going off on these things. But he's like, but God will give you more grace. That grace from the Whitcliffe from the Whitcliffe Bible commentary, that word grace there actually defines, means gracious help that God graciously wants to help us. When we realize, whoa, God, I'm in a bad place, God wants to give more grace. He's not looking at it. It's not like James says, oh, by the way, here's how you all are acting, and God's done with you. He's like, no, here's how you all are acting, but God wants to give you more grace. He wants to give you that grace of strength to overcome. He wants to give you that grace of strength to, to overcome the flesh, to overcome the selfishness, to live more like Christ. He wants to give you that grace. I love how uh, Pastor Tony Evans says it. He says, this is the grace we need to live victorious lives as believers. James is talking about grace that is greater than the mess you, have, you may be in right now. It doesn't matter how big the mess is or what you've been through. The grace that is available to you in Christ is bigger than your mess. It's bigger than the flesh. Okay? God wants us to be victorious over my flesh and over the selfishness. You think God's sitting there going, I love it when my children fight. The book of, I think it's Proverbs. This just popped in my head, He's, but it says that, that God loves it when brothers live in unity. Okay? So God wants us not to fight and to bicker and to argue. He wants us to have victory over that. And the way that happens is when you and I are like, God, I need help. Because that's the key here. Because you notice it says that God opposes the proud. Opposes. That means that God sets himself up against, almost like an army. How many of you know it's not good when God is um, fighting you? Because um, you're not winning. God will win every time. And God opposes you because it's, he, and remember, James is talking to Christians. When Christians are prideful, God only wants one thing from you, to just to humble you, because Pride kills us, okay? You see, a proud Christian says this. 
you know what? I can handle life on my own. A proud Christian says, you know what? It's not my fault. It's everybody else's. A proud Christian blames everybody else for the problems in the church and not themselves. A proud Christian blames the spouse. A a proud Christian blames family members. A proud Christian blames everybody else, but not me. I am not the problem. You're the problem. And a proud Christian will not humble themselves. And that's a dangerous place to be. And so in order to receive from God, because if you notice in that verse, he says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, as long as you and I want to walk in pride and be proud, you're not getting grace. You're getting opposition from God. You're going to be in battle with God. You're going to be fighting with God. But someone who is able to look at their life and go, God, I'm a mess. I know I'm, I, I, I'm not walking where I should be. I can see the selfishness, God. I, I, and I don't want to be here. God, help me. God's just like, more grace. <clears throat> because as Paul says, when sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And that's where you and I have got to be. We've got to get to this place where we humble ourselves. The church of America right now needs more humility. There are just too many of us walking and talking and sounding off with too much pride. We need humility. We need to come to that place where we're like, God, I need you. God, I can't do this. God, I can't change the selfishness. God, I see it. I feel it. I know it's there. Because every time I don't get my way, God, I'm getting mad. And I don't want to be there. God, I want to be able to step back. And when I don't get my way, I'm saying, okay, God, your will be done. And so, God, I pray, humble me. God, help me to see my need for you. And that sometimes, loved ones, is a moment-by-moment day. I mean, it's not like every week going, oh, I think I need to get a little human. Maybe for some of you, it is just like every time you feel it, God, humble me. God, I need you. God, forgive me. God, I don't want to be here. Listen, God wants us confessing our sin. God desires us to just divulge how much of a mess we are. He's not sitting there going, man, you're such a mess. I can't change you anymore. No, he gives more grace. And maybe that's where you are. You just need more grace. But the way you receive that grace, by getting on your knees, by lowering yourself and understanding, God, it is not about me. And so, God, I pray you'll forgive me. God, cleanse me. God, help me to not be so selfish. Selfish in my marriage, selfish in my friendships, selfish in the church. Because, God, it does no good. And I don't want to be the cause for another fight. Another fight with my spouse, another fight with a friend, another fight in the church. And the way that happens is through humility. Amen? Let's all stand. Let's get ready to close. If you would, just bow your heads, and I would just encourage you just to 
as David writes in the Psalms, he says, God, examine my heart. And maybe that's where you are right now. You just need to pray silently there. And as I close in prayer, maybe you just need to be, God, examine my heart. And God, forgive me of my selfishness. Forgive me of the sinfulness in me. Forgive me for being a friend with the world. And maybe you just need to have that time of confession and repentance right now. So as I pray, I just ask that you would just continue just to look at your own life. And and if there's anything there that the Holy Spirit is revealing, humble yourself and say, okay, God, let's get real on this. And so, Father, I just pray that that Lord, as you have worked in my heart all week, I pray that you've just been working in the hearts of these people, working in the hearts of those who've been listening online. Because God, we all need to come to the place of humility because pride is, is, is so ugly. Lord, pride, and we're not receiving anything with a prideful heart. And so Lord, I would pray and ask that if there's anyone in here who They see the ugliness in them. They see the selfishness. They see the sin. They see that they have drifted to the culture. But if they're unwilling to humble themselves, Lord, I pray that they could see right now that they are going to be opposed by you. But I pray, God, that we could just humble ourselves before you and you would just pour that that abundant grace, that that the, the grace of strength, the grace that would help us day by day, moment by moment, to overcome, to keep enduring, to keep pushing on. Lord, give us more grace. And so God, we thank you for what you're doing. And we just, we just thank you for your amazing love and your forgiveness. And we just praise you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.